But first to Laura, who joins us from Adelaide. She's uh, chairing a, a, an event for the Adelaide Writers Week, which has been making news in its own right. Laura, Parliament back today and the PM is being, uh, well, they're trying to paint the PM as tricky. What's going on? Uh, well, there's there's lots going on, Philip. There's, um, everything's sort of becoming very ratty very quickly. Uh, the main thing that... Um, Not tricky, was... ratty. <laughs> tricky rats? Um, <laughs> um, I think, uh, well, the, there are a lot of issues that are getting... They're getting very uh, ratty in their in their in their argumentative stage, Philip. But uh, the the argument about tricky is is a, a theme, and you can sense that there's a by election happening. I think just by the sort of nature of of the politics, the main tricky uh, uh, tag is associated with the government's announcement last week on superannuation tax changes. Um, the move to Inc- uh, increase the tax rate on um, super balances over $3 million from 15% to 30% uh, after 2020, from 2025 onwards. Um, now, this is part of a, a general argument that the coalition is pushing, which is that Labor is breaking election promises. Uh, of course, we had last year the idea that they'd broken their promise on energy prices and now they're uh, breaking their promise, the coalition says, by uh, making changes to super when they said they wouldn't do any. And uh, there's a new one that's emerging now about um, a a franking credit uh, change that's going to come into into Parliament tomorrow. Uh, So there's a bit of a theme building here, uh, Philip. But isn't the super thing... That's, how can there be a broken promise when, in fact, it doesn't come in until July 2025 and there's an election? Well, I've got to say I'm, I'm with you on this, Philip. Um, you, can, you could argue that it's a broken promise because they're going to legislate it before, um, before the next election, but I'd say given that it's, it can become a mandate issue and if people don't like it, they can throw the government out. I don't think it's necessarily a broken promise. And more's the point. I think the interesting thing about this was that uh, the uh, news poll today showed that the majority of voters are actually supportive of this change. Um, and you know, there are there are obviously technical questions about about it and its impact in the longer term. But we're now at the stage where um, the big shock value is that things will be really bad in thirty years' time if no government between now and then indexes. Um, the three million dollar figure. Now, I, I've got to say, before you even ask a politician what they're going to do, it seems unlikely that um, somebody won't index it. But in the meantime, the government's saying, "Well, you know, we, we aren't going to index it, and it's still not going to affect all that many people." Now, some people argue that in thirty years' time, three million dollars probably won't be all that much. But to me, it's There are sort of more immediate issues about the equity of superannuation and whether it's fit for purpose. And, uh, you know, we we seem to have leapt from that argument into these other ones incredibly quickly uh, and sort of slightly hysterically, in my humble opinion. There's a paradox. You're right about uh, the news poll giving a majority of approval, but they're also, they've downmarked the Prime Minister as a result of it. Well, possibly, Philip. I mean, who knows exactly what drives, um, I don't think News Poll said 
are you marking the Prime Minister down because of super? You know, there could be a whole range of things that they're marking him down for. There's a lot of issues at play uh, out there at the moment and it could be that, it could be the voice, it could be all sorts of things. Peter Dutton has vowed to repeal the changes anyway. How does this marry with that claim that he wants the Liberal Party to represent the workers? Well, yes, um, the, the champion thereof. Uh, look, I think, um, I mean, th- it's interesting, I think, Philip, uh, the, the coalition at this point is not sort of telling us how they are going to help reduce the budget deficit. You know, the, the great sort of saviours of debt and deficit aren't talking about any of those issues. Something's going to have to give in terms of both spending and tax if we're going to do something about all of this debt that we've got as a result of you know, supporting people during the pandemic, which, of course, happened under the coalition. I'm not sort of saying it's the coalition's fault, which is the political point, but we've got all this debt. We're going to have to do something about it. Um, And I think the coalition's obviously trying to have it both ways on this. Um, You know, it's good to be able to say broken promises and things. It was interesting that if you looked at what happened in Parliament today and around it, the, the coalition didn't go all that hard on super during question time. Uh, it asked a, a sort of a couple of questions at the beginning and then went silent. And then you had a lot of people turning up on various afternoon media programs this afternoon saying, oh, no, we're going very hard on super. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think their confidence in their political attack was a little bit dented by our news poll and, uh, th- and their regrouping, shall we say. And even the CEO of the NAB, of NAB, doesn't support the tax concessions for the wealthy. Yeah, well, that was that was interesting. I mean, he was saying it was a perfectly reasonable move, and uh, which I think a lot of people seem to be a bit surprised about. So, I think you know you can keep clawing away at these things, um, and clearly there is a big media campaign for that to happen. But if we go back to the uh, setup for this, uh, the, was it the week before last? It's all a bit of a blur, where Jim Chalmers was talking about the objective super of, of super being. Um, about retirement incomes and that it had to be a system that was sustainable and fair. Uh, I think as long as the government can continue to prosecute that argument and I think really argue the really important comparison with the age pension, Philip, which is that the age pension is income tested and asset tested within an inch of its life and, uh, and, and, and is targeted at people who really need it. And I think there is a really good case that to be fit for purpose, the superannuation system should also be set up, not necessarily, you know, as tightly as even the age pension system, but it should be designed to do what it's supposed to do, which is to give people an adequate income in retirement. Now, the NAB uh, chief executive who you um, just mentioned was pointing out that somebody on $3 million at 4% return, that's about one hundred and twenty grand a year tax-free, which, you know, is a pretty reasonable sort of post, post-retirement income for most people. And it's fair to say that Shadow Treasurer Angus Taylor kicked an own goal because in 2016 he said it's totally inappropriate that someone who has contributed millions and millions of dollars continues to get those 15% concessions. Yes, and of course the, the Coalition actually did also introduce a different set of measures which uh, is much more sort of, shall we say, flat-footed and, uh, and uh, sort of, I won't say um, 
terrible or you know any of those things, but it, it affects a lot more people and it's also not indexed. So um, it's one of those wonderful, spectacular exercises in, in saying one thing and doing another. Laura, there's only three parliamentary sitting weeks before the budget. What's the government trying to push through? Oh, they've got a few things on their agenda. I think um, the there's a couple of things that are really important, Philip. One of them is the um, the sort of mechanical legislation they want to move um, on uh, sort of updating referendum processes before uh, we consider the voice referendum uh, bill. And um, we've already struck problems with that today uh, in Parliament. Uh, uh, The um, coalition has started to send signals out that it's not happy uh, with what the government's proposing that there should be a mechanism to provide funding for yes and no cases and they're saying that that's not necessarily just because of the voice but they're saying since this referendum bill will affect you know all referendums you know from now on of course we have so many of them all the time but you know so uh, but um, they're saying there should be a mechanism to do that the government's been quite emphatic it doesn't want to do that in that form. So there's there's sort of um, noise about that. So that's one thing that they've really got to get through. They're very keen to get their um, National Reconstruction Fund up. Now, this is this body uh, which is a bit like the Clean Energy Finance Corporation. It's not it's sort of being portrayed by the coalition as um, a slush fund, um, but it's not one that would actually be putting out huge amounts of government money, but a bit like the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, it would provide uh, uh, sort of funding guarantees or loans to projects in identified important parts of the um, of the economy. And, uh, so tre- and Treasurer Jim says it's all about broadening our, broadening our industrial base, making more things here. Making more things here, indeed. Sort of value adding, which is something that, you know, we hear about about every two or three years, I think, would be my, would be my observation. Um, so they'd, they'd like to get that through and the Senate committee looking at the safeguards mechanism, which is a significant part of the government's climate change legislation, uh, is also got to get through. And there are some significant indications out of that, out of the Senate inquiry today. Needless to say, it's split along party lines, but Adam Bant from the Greens was on 7.30 tonight and he was just saying, Yes, we don't want to see new uh, gas and uh, coal projects. I mean, he, he's taking a much more conciliatory approach in general than the Greens of old. He's saying they will pass the legislation, but they want some sort of commitment. It doesn't have to be just a blanket ban on all future coal mines, but they want some sort of capacity for the government to uh, test the climate impact of, of mines uh, possibly in the envir- existing environment legislation. We're off to New Zealand in just a minute, so very quickly, robo-debt and the Prime Minister, ex-Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah, so Malcolm Turnbull being the latest uh, minister to give evidence about this, essentially <clears throat> what he was saying today was that um, he he was under the impression that the uh, the, the scheme was lawful, but he was worried about its fairness and about it, and about whether it's, it was being administered competently. Uh, he was questioned about various messages he exchanged with the then Minister Alan Tudge, uh, and which was basically saying, you know, what's going on? We need to know. But he was essentially saying, look, when it, 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 it originally came up 
uh, in 2015 and it escalated under him, but the Cabinet documents said that it was lawful and it didn't need uh, legislation and, th- and that was always the understanding on which he operated. I don't know whether it necessarily moved the story along all that much, but it was interesting to sort of hear hear another sort of version of what happened within the government during a fairly crucial period of uh, the whole thing going south. In 60 seconds or less, an extraordinary admission from former government services minister, Stuart Robert. Well, this was the more, much more significant development since we last spoke, Philip, which was um, Stuart Robert's testimony last week in which he essentially said he thought RoboDebt but long before the legality issue came up, he thought RoboDebt was a really bad idea, but sort of, uh, but sort of stuck with it. Um, and then when there were questions about its uh, lawfulness, he lied to a number of people, including me, um, uh, on national television uh, because of the concept of cabinet solidarity, which is an all new definition of of that uh, responsibility. <laughs> okay. Well, the RBA are likely to increase interest rates tomorrow for the tenth time in a row. So uh, we'll talk again in a week. On this occasion, Laura Tingle, Chief Political Correspondent, seven thirty. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.